my name is Carrie Stevens. I'm the chief editor of Access Imaging News, and I am here with Kyle Henson, the vice president of imaging and business intelligence at Solus Mammography. And we're going to be going into all things cloud imaging. And it's actually a topic Kyle recently covered in a webinar. I definitely encourage everyone to listen to that. We will we will have information about that shortly. But we really wanted to get into all things cloud. Um, but to start, Kyle, I really want to know how the pandemic has influenced the radiology field, you know, especially with the trend of more radiologists working from home. And what are some of the key benefits and challenges associated with this shift? Well, I think you nailed it. That's one of the big impacts is that radiologists started moving to moving to home and were able to work effectively from home. So, so the challenges, of course, are getting the data to them and allowing them to work quickly. So in the mammography world, it's compounded by just larger study sizes. So I think we all had to look at how do we get data to the radiologists? How do we, what type of infrastructure is needed to get them there? Um, we all had to address the support and how do you support a doctor from home? Um, that's, a, that's a big consideration. And then finally security. So we, we found that you know sometimes the software VPNs didn't work or people started messing around with hardware. So we, in a lot of cases, looked to physical VPNs in just a way to make sure that our data is secured, even though it's no longer in our four walls. Great. I want to get into more of the staffing. So, you know, what are some of the most common challenges that radiology departments are facing in terms of staffing right now? Well, I don't spend as much time in the radiology departments as I should, but uh, on the IT world, it's it's always the same challenge. Um, we've got to cut costs, um, revenue is down, our reimbursements are down, and so how do we how do we be effective and efficient with our resources? And so right. there's always this challenge of the budget, the budget, and not enough money to bring in additional people to solve problems. Do less with more. I mean, do more with less. Yeah, for <laughs> right. sure. Okay, so. In this webinar, we will, like I said, be highlighting the webinar, but you mentioned the importance of stability and uptime for PAC systems. And can you elaborate on the average 20 to 30 hours of unplanned planned downtime in hospitals and how that affects radiologists' work and patient care? And as a follow-up, how can healthcare organizations prioritize, prioritize stability, stability while maintaining efficiency? You know, stability is, is actually the number one requested feature from radiologists in a PACS. Like if you go look at the, st the statistics, that's the thing they want most is a, a just a system that's always there, always available for them to do their work. Um, that 20 to 30 hours, that, that those statistics come from peer-reviewed journal articles such as The Lancet. So it's it's not an anecdotal statement that there's that much downtime in the world. There there really is. Um, we don't like to talk about it, but it's, it's a fact for, could be a lot of different reasons. It could be network related. It could be hardware, it could be any number of things. But the impact is you're having, a, there's a real revenue impact to doctors not being able to work. So, you know, the the prevailing, you know, first off, they're sitting there being paid and not getting any work done. They get to, and I'll, I gotta tell you, when systems go down, doctors pick up the phone immediately. Um, if I'm lucky, they call me. If I'm not lucky, they just call the CIO and say it's right. down again. Um, now the average downtime instant is, it's the average is about three hours. So, you know, when something happens, it's, it's rarely a super fast, you know, the average instant resolution for a big issue is, is going to be around a couple hours. So that's a lot of people not getting work done, but also patients that aren't being treated. And there can, there can be downstream impacts to the patient of, you know, I've even seen situations where people just go ahead and read without priors, you know, and 
that's not a good that's not good for our patients. So it, it, there's a patient care impacts to the debt outages as well. So I want to get into the cybersecurity because I mean that's that is what our readers are constantly telling us is one of the things that keeps them up most at night is the cybersecurity of medical devices. So you know, with the rising threat of cyber security, cyber attacks in healthcare, in the webinar, you mentioned adopting cloud solutions for ransomware protection. And can you explain your cloud adoption strategy in more detail? Um, how does moving data to the cloud contribute to better security? Well, I mean, it, it sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> so you can't just make a the blanket statement, cloud is always more secure. Um, I think it comes down to, well, first off, if my data is on-prem, and so one security mechanism for me would be to put a copy, a totally separate copy off in the cloud, maybe in a very low cost storage. And that would be a, a risk reduction measure in that if something happens to my on-prem systems, I have the data in an immutable copy somewhere that, that can't be impacted by those. So that's that's one strategy we might, might utilize. Um, other ways of looking at cloud security, um, when we talk about security in the cloud and the cloud being more secure, generally talks to more of a, a multi-tenant environment. There's cloud packs vendors that they have one copy of their software and that's called a multi-tenant. So every customer is using the same software running on the same servers. Now it's all encrypted, so it's it's like being in a um, an apartment complex, uh, hotel. Your key only opens one door, it doesn't open any other door. So that's how you, I like to conceptualize multi-tenant environments. Is it's a single-tenant environment is like you're a single house at, at on your property, like the one I'm in right now. One family lives here, which means I pay for all of the infrastructure, the real estate, the electricity, all of those different costs are paid by one family. When you look at a hotel or an apartment complex, you're sharing the water, the electricity, the you know, all of those costs end up getting shared, so it's lower per unit. You can think of packs in the cloud very similar to that. There's a lot of packs companies that will install their software in your instance of Azure, GCP, whatever. In that case, you still own a lot of those security. So you're just going to have to learn how to do security on the cloud in addition to how you're doing your on-prem security. But there are some PAX vendors out there that go that multi-tenant route where they say, you know, we're going to put your data in securely, but trust us because with only one instance to manage, we can hire the best and brightest security people and we'll take ownership of that security risk for you. And that's, those are the companies. Now, that might seem like a really weird thing for imaging people, except what do you think Microsoft has done to your 360? Like, so SAP does the same thing. Uh, Snowflake does the same thing. So there's other multi-tenant environments that we're comfortable with, but when it comes down to imaging, we all kind of have this shock factor of, oh my gosh, I can't do that. So it's, it's kind of a nuanced question. Um, if you're in a single tenant with a single tenant vendor, um, you're on your own for your security. Now it may still be more secure. Like I said, you can put that immutable copy or immutable just means can't unchangeable copy is a good way to have a, a good backup. That was a really long answer. I hope I, no, no, I think it was helpful, but I really want I to get that more. was intelligible. It was, but I really want to get more into the multi-tenant operations. So how does multi-tenant operations benefit healthcare organizations in terms of efficiency, scalability, and resource management too? You know, when you start looking at those kinds of cloud solutions, what you're doing is you're offloading a lot of the tasks that your, your current team has to do. So they're taking ownership of the security. They're taking ownership of the provisioning of the servers. They're taking ownership of the maintenance and updates and patching of all those servers. All those 
every one of those activities is now being pushed off to this vendor that's saying, don't worry, we'll take care of all that. But because they, they can now be very efficient with their staff uh, using you know, Kubernetes, typically these are going to be your cloud native apps, but they've taken ownership of all that and they are doing it in a very, efficiency, a very efficient way because they're doing it at scale. They don't have to log into your VPN and do something. So the intention, and they're usually able to offer their solutions at a lower cost than the ones offering a, a single tenant environment. And that allows you to shift your costs from uh, managing those services to the vendor. But oftentimes that vendor can provide them at scale. They're able to, get, to do the same thing at lower cost. And so that's, that helps with some of the staffing challenges, that comes with some of our budget challenges, but it also comes with you have to trust them. <laughs> You're now giving up that control and having to trust the vendor to do these things. So have good contracts. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I know our listeners will definitely um, benefit from that. Okay, so one of the things you talked about in the webinar was the need to understand the concepts of ingress and ingress, e-ingress and i-ingress to make informed bids business decisions. So can you elaborate on the significance of these terms in the context of healthcare technology and how do they impact business decisions and data management? Great question. Um, ingress just means data coming into the cloud and egress is data leaving the cloud. So as, as people go down the cloud journey, it's, it's really important to learn all the terminology, all the costs, and it really understand what you're getting into. So as we look at radiology data, um, well, not only is there fees, whenever you move gigabytes into the cloud, that's the ingress fee, and then you have storage fees. Then when you want to retrieve it back, you pay the egress fees. Those are usually networking fees. In addition, there's storage fees, depending on what tier of storage and how fast the storage is. You might start eating up compute cycles, so you might, there might be costs on that. And there's even at the file level, you get paid, there's costs every time you move a single file. So that gets into all sorts of interesting questions about like if you're archiving a CT to the cloud. If you do a traditional DICOM, you're going to pay for each individual file because you're hitting the API every single slice of that CT. So some architectures you might want to look at making sure that what your PAX vendor is doing is taking all that data and dumping it into a ball, a zip file, tar, whatever so that they're only archiving one file. So there, I mean, it's all these little things add up. And so it's, it's important to kind of understand all of the fee structure. And then when you talk about ingress and egress, maybe you have an express route or an unlimited network connection, or maybe you're paying for those network connections. So now we have to look at what's the utilization and how often do people look at images? The usage of a, you know, looking at a chest X-ray is very different than looking at a MAMO study. So you, the number of priors that are being looked at, like there's a lot of thought that has to go into that cloud decision in understanding the costs and understanding how the, who's paying for what to make sure that you have a really clear understanding of your cost structure so you can get to a good return on investment and ultimately make the best decision for the organization. No, that makes sense. Well, is there anything we haven't covered? I mean, if you want to discuss more multi-tenant operations or anything that we haven't discussed that you think the access imaging um, readers and listeners need to know. So there's been some really big deals come out in the press lately about cloud vendors. So good for them. That's awesome. But um, so we talked about the single tenant and multi-tenant. That's one of the 
big under differentiators in the market of you know, the solutions, but also has a huge impact on the cost structure. Um, another really big question or, or topic is cloud native or cloud optimized, or cloud native or cloud hosted. And so most of the time when you're installing a cloud product into your own environment, you're probably using a, you're definitely using single tenant, but you're also probably using what we would call a cloud hosted application. So that, what that means is we've virtualized the servers and put the software, we're running the same Windows servers in the cloud. And there's, there certainly are advantages to that. One, another one of the big features of cloud is to be able to provide uh, flexibility. So even in those models where you have to spin up servers, the vendor or yourself are probably able to spin up servers in hours versus the weeks or months it would take you know, to build and ship on-prem hardware. And we all know what those upgrade cycles look like. So there's a lot of benefits to being cloud hosted but it's, that's very different than what we'll call as a cloud native application. So cloud native, I generally like to say, is an app that was built, purposely built and rebuilt to run on the cloud. And it's a totally different, it's got a whole word salad associated with it. Uh, Kubernetes, microservices, you know, orchestration layers. But it's, overall the concept is really pretty simple. If we look at PAX and imaging today, you have one server that does a thousand tasks. Now, if you want to look at a, at its simplest explanation, a cloud native architecture, you have 1000 different microservices and each one of those microservices does one task. So you, you split up the application to a thousand little pieces and you only run the piece of code you need when you need it. You don't have to run the entire application. You, you start and stop each of those pieces when it's needed. And on that cloud native, you have the ability to what's called elasticity. So when one server gets full, it just creates another server. Well, creates another container, but you know, work with me here. We'll just call the server because that's easier to conceptualize. It just spins up a server automatically and load balances. And then when that server is no longer needed, it goes away. So that's the concept of elasticity and microservices, which is inherent. That's what a cloud native app is built to do. So that's a very, very, very different application than the traditional architecture. So again, I'm, there's pros and cons to each. There's benefits even of the cloud hosted, but they're all questions. And I like to say that educated consumers are happy customers. You know, the, the problem is when we don't understand what we're getting into, then we get expectations that are misaligned and that ends up creating unhappy customers. So. I want everyone to know as much as they can about their cloud journey before they get into it and maybe trip over something. Well, I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners will too. And I also encourage everyone to listen to Kyle's webinar where he explains this in greater detail. So thank you so much for joining me today, Kyle. Anytime. It was my pleasure. Yeah. We'd love to have you back on. And, um, just take care, everyone. To our listeners, thank you so much for joining us and be sure to visit accessimagingnews.com for more information. Thank you.